We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Bellato. Today we are going to break down another day of New York Giants training camp practice, some recent news with the team, players they've signed, injured players, their diagnoses when they're returning. Also want to say this, we just got finished recording a podcast with the one, the only, Mark Schofield, who breaks down more quarterback all 22 all 22 films sorry than anybody I know even through game pass being down he's found a way but more on that later this week you will be hearing his thoughts on Daniel Jones what the coach's film tells him what he needs to improve on what he has improved on where he's headed for this 2021 season because listen as both Mark Nick and myself agree that's all three of us This team is only going as far as Jones this season, and that's the nature of the NFL these days. So there's a lot to talk about there. That will come sometime later this week. For now, let's talk about Giants training camp and what's going down now. And let's start by talking about some signings they've made. Let's start with the first one. My boy, Alfred Morris, re-signed with the Giants. Nick, what does this mean for Corey Clement? And actually, before I get into this, let's do a little quick update. How is the life of Nick Filato going. Any news? Any new updates? It's busy, man. It's busy. There could be some things on the horizon uh, in my personal life, which is exciting, but we'll dive into that a little bit later. But yeah, I'm excited. Heading into August, bro. Heading into August, which that means what? September is football season, and you know you and I are both just itching to get back to some regular season NFL and hopefully Game Pass break down all 22 film. Yes, we have some inside info on Game Pass and when it might be back. I'm not going to give away too much. We've been sworn to secrecy, but let's just say this. By week one, we are expecting to have the All-22 again, Thank, thankfully. Well, let's hope. Let's hope. And Nick, as usual, always secretive about his personal life on here, doesn't want to give away an ounce. I will say this, for those of you who can put the clues together, uh, based on the context, he has told me in private that he wants to try Star Tavern and a few of my favorite other food spots around New Jersey. So let me just say this. If there is time for that, and if we do do that, we will be discussing it on the podcast, and we will be giving a review of Nick's thoughts on all sorts of food that's not good for him. Yeah, I know. I'm actually excited about that, though, because, you know, New Jersey food, it's unique, bro, and, and you got to savor it. It's the best. Um, other news, nothing too crazy going on with me here. Uh, no, I guess no fun to talk about. It's been full steam ahead for me 
with CBS. It's been a lot of work recently, obviously, with training camp back. I will say this. I am hoping to attend Giants Fan Fest this Wednesday, and I think Nick is hoping to attend that as well. Nick may be a little less certain on it, but I'm pushing him, and if I go, he's going to have to go because we want to meet some of you. And so I'm throwing this out here for the first time now before we dive into some training camp updates. If you are planning to attend the Giants Fan Fest in East Rutherford on Wednesday evening, you can, we want to meet you guys. So if Nick does end up attending, which I'm hoping he does, and I end up attending, which is very likely, please reach out to us via Twitter, DM, whatever it may be, and let me know you're going to be there, and then I will try to meet up with you there. So we want to try to meet up with all you guys, all of the listeners who will be attending, anyone and everyone. And I didn't actually win the tickets, but one of the, uh, I guess one of our Twitter followers and somebody you guys probably know from Giants Twitter, Steph Smalls, she secured the tickets for me and Nick. So we got lucky with that because I was in that checkout on Giants.com like three different times and it was just loading, loading, loading. I'm like, I'm not going to get these tickets. So hopefully we're both able to attend. And then more importantly, hopefully we're able to meet everyone here. It would be a lot of fun to meet some of you and put some name, some faces to names. So without further ado, let's start to talk about Giants training camp. And I do want to start with what I prefaced before, which is the Alfred Morris resigning. Nick, what does this mean for our boy? And I say our boy because we both talked him up in the running backs podcast preview. We're both big fans of the role he could potentially play for the Giants this year. So what does it mean for our boy, Corey Clement? If Corey Clement cannot get on the field because of Alfred Morris in this Jason Garrett system by the time week one rolls around, then I'm not 100% certain if we want Corey Clement out there, to be honest, because we know what Alfred Morris provides. We talked about it last podcast. Alfred Morris is a good running back in terms of vision. He knows where he's going to be, no wasted steps, all those things that you want in a running back if you're looking to pick up three to four yards, but you're not going to necessarily have him be a receiving threat, nor is he going to be somebody who can hit home runs. Corey Clement can do both those things and he can pass protect. So something really bad in camp has to happen to Corey Clement, or Corey Clement just absolutely flames out, does not take to Joe Judge, does not take to what the Giants are preaching, and then he just gets put behind Alfred Morris. I don't expect that to happen. I think Corey Clement is going to have that third running back role behind Devontae Booker, saying that's if Saquon Barkley is healthy, obviously. So I'm not going to be too worried about this. And if Alfred Morris does end up overtaking Corey Clement, like I said earlier, I think it's uh, Corey Clement really had a bad camp then. Yeah, I think you nailed it here, Nick. I think part of this is just... The fact that what Joe Judge said is true. He really likes how Alfred Morris works. He likes his work ethic. He likes having a player like that who's going to work his tail off every day. On the field for this part of training camp, like, it's fine to have these guys here in very early August, the first di- first couple days of August, and then through you know to final cuts because they're just going to help build your culture out. They're going to get the job done if you really need them to. I think the Booker signing makes him kind of irrelevant as far as the 2021 season goes, and I agree with you that it will be surprising to me if he does make the roster over Corey Clement, considering his limitations in the passing game, considering his limitations in the on just passing downs in general. And so we'll see what happens there, but I'm not making too much of it just yet. A couple other news as far as signings goes before we go into injuries with the team, updates on that. The Giants side, Joe Looney, offensive lineman from the Cowboys, made a lot of starts last season and had a lot of really good starts, specifically He was most impressive in pass protection last year versus the run game. And that, to me, specifically, is what I'm looking for. I don't care as much about the run game. Run plays are worth less than half of what every pass play is worth. The Giants need a pass protector 
at every all five of those spots to maximize this offense. Someone who can be a plus pass protector. Can Looney be that? Do you see? I mean, he has taken a lot of his snaps at center, but I read today during practice he was actually getting some snaps at guard as well, which could be a good sign. Do you view him as more as a depth signing or someone who's going to compete with Lemieux to start at left guard, or Hernandez for that matter? I think it's more of a depth piece. There there are reasons why all of these guys that the Giants are bringing in are available when 32 teams have 90-man rosters. But with that said, I really do like this signing of Joe Looney because he is experienced. He's only 30 years old and he knows Jason Garrett, knows that system, knows what Jason Garrett wants from their time spent in Dallas together. And from everything that I've seen from him, yes, he was the backup center there behind Travis Frederick, who was just an absolute stud. But every time Travis Frederick got injured, Joe Looney stepped in and he was solid. He was a solid starting center who can run block, who can pass protect. He's going to have some issues in pass protection sometimes, but it's nothing like the issues we saw from Shane Lemieux last year. He played guard a little bit earlier in his career, but he's predominantly a center. I really enjoy this signing. These are the types of signings we've been kind of pounding the table for. Yes, the Giants yes. signed Zach Fulton, but how? what does that actually mean? Is Zach Fulton, we, do we want to put all our eggs in that basket after that really horrendous 2020? Or do you want to bring in other veteran guys like Joe Looney to help compete with Zach Fulton if something happens to these younger guys who happen to start for the New York Giants? So I find this to be a really good signing. Hopefully he makes this team. He seems to have a really gregarious and fun type of personality. I love the beard. Has to have the best beard on the Giants right now, right? Easily the best beard on the Giants easily the best beard and i love the experience he's still relative he's getting north you know he's in 30 but that's not too old so i'm i'm a fan of this signing and i think he has a shot to make this team yeah i think it's a really good signing i think he has a really good shot to make this team i think that lemieux will get the first crack at starting but i think that if this lemieux injury lingers and right now joe judge and we'll get this in a moment has termed it as day-to-day, but that could sometimes turn into a week-to-week. Sometimes it could be re-injury situation. Once you get that first injury, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. But I think that ultimately, he will, he should. I'm not saying he will. I think Lemieux will get that and potentially just run away with it. But I think ultimately he should have a chance to compete to start because outside of the fact that Giants fans are exciting about him and outside of the fact that he took these was solid in the run game. Shane Lemieux was a fifth-round draft pick who was the worst pass-protecting guard in the NFL last season on a per-snap basis. That, to me, is not someone who should be locked into a job, and that, to me, is not someone who will be locked into a job, ultimately speaking. I know they want to see him be in there because he's a second-year player, and they want to build with these younger guys, but Joe Looney's a veteran, and Joe Looney's seen a lot more than Shane Lemieux has, and Joe Looney, in my mind, could potentially be a better pass-protecting guard, potentially, than a Shane Lemieux. And ultimately, if they decide that he is their best answer in the pass game, I think that he's also their best answer overall. So I'm not as sold on him just competing for a roster spot, whether it be, you know, versus maybe competing for a starting spot. But if you had to put a gun to my head right now, I would say Shane Lemieux is likeliest to start. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. And that's what I believe as well. But also, you know, we're already dealing with early injuries, like you said. So those can be unpredictable sometimes. Yep. And then there was another signing, Todd Davis, who we talked about a little bit because they worked him out. Linebacker, what does this mean for the rest of the Giants linebackers, you know, Carter Coughlin specifically? Honestly, I don't think it means much for Carter Coughlin. According to, like, Patricia Traina, Ed Valentine, a bunch of beats who are beats who have their feet on the, on the ground out there, Carter Coughlin looks pretty good in these little limited type of drills that they're doing. He's moving really well, and he's doing well uh, in team type of – in the team drills and things like that. So I think – it doesn't mean as much for Carter Coughlin, but we had Blake Martinez on the COVID list. 
He's off of it now. We had Reggie Ragland, who is on the NFI list, and they just need depth there because you're looking at Devontae Downs and players like that, TJ Brunson, behind all of those guys. So they wanted to bring in Todd Davis, somebody that the Giants and Dave Gettleman had interest in back in the 2018 free agent cycle, his first year here. So I, I And he's, what, 29 years old? He was good in Denver, got that three-year, $15 million deal, if I'm not mistaken. Then he had a calf injury heading into training camp, ended up getting cut by the Broncos. They said it saved like $5 million on the cap, and then the Vikings scooped him up, and he didn't really do well in that system with uh, Mike Zimmer last year. So I'm not optimistic that he's going to step in and just thrive, but I love the fact that they're adding veteran talent who could potentially fit what Patrick Graham wants to do because he is somebody who is still south of 30 and somebody who has had good tape in the last two years. It's just 2019 didn't really work out for him all that well, but I just want to say the Carter Coughlin thing, if he continues to to do well in that position at linebacker, I could be at the expense of somebody like a Todd Davis. Yeah, you're right. And some of this could be because Blake Martinez is kind of inching his way back from COVID and they don't really have any kind of depth on the inside at linebacker. And that's all possible. We'll have to wait and see. But I agree with you. He's a capable NFL player. To, to get these three guys, I guess I'll include Alfred Morris in this. I don't really want to, though, because I think there's a lot of talent on the waiver wire that I think could actually be better than Alfred Morris on this team like I just don't have too much value to somebody who can get you three to four yards and with what and be just a non you know a non-factor at all in the passing game but with regards to Looney and Davis these are pretty damn good quality signings to make this late you don't usually expect this this late into the you know offseason process way past free agency way past the draft so I do think from that standpoint they're doing a good job of kind of grinding out the talent that's left on the wire some teams it feels like they're almost just like lazy when it comes to this type of stuff <laughs> it, it seems weird but it almost seems true to me like the Giants have done a very good job these past few off seasons of just grinding out late talent and the two positions that Dan and I have been talking about basically all offseason that needed somewhat of an upgrade was the interior offensive line and the linebacker spot so it's good that they actually went in there and made those investments albeit very small yeah, no doubt. All right, let's talk about some other news in training camp. Before we do that, we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, before we get into some injury updates and then some notes from the past practice, because again, we're recording this on Monday and the Giants were basically off this weekend for the most part. You know, they had a light practice and they had that little 
I don't know if you want to call it a practice with the high school, um, with the New Jersey high school. But before we get into any of that, a couple quick fun notes. The Giants had Matthias Kibanuka, OCU Minyora, who is a award-winning guest of the show and a hopefully a reoccurring guest of the show, and Justin Tuck at practice on Monday. I like when they do this kind of stuff. I think it gives the younger players like Aziz Ojolari and whoever is kind of their edges coming up at the time a little bit of a feel for what was so nostalgic and what's so nice about the Giants' past. Like, when you walk through one Giants way, when you walk to that building as a rookie, if you're Aziz Ojolari, for example, you see the trophy case, you see those trophies. That's awesome to see those. But you also now get the feel of, like, yeah, there were... The Giants have a nice, rich history of these elite pass rushers, and it's not too long ago. There's still guys in their you know 30s and 40s who can come back to camp and show themselves and kind of hang out with the guys and give them little tips, little small tips on rushing the passer. So just a cool thing. Yeah, and I really like that too. And the Giants have always been great with kind of bringing back past players to help motivate newer players. Not that the new Giants kind of need motivation, but I still think it's great to kind of look back on the two Super Bowls the Giants won with those three players. Yeah, without a doubt. And then in other news, the Giants will be finally putting on the pads tomorrow, Mm -hmm. Tuesday. You'll most likely be hearing this on Monday evening, but if you do listen to this past that, this will be the one thing that uh, is a bit outdated. feels like maybe we went to a time machine, but it's not true. We're just reporting on what's coming up here. And so, yeah, the pads are coming on, and that is, to me, when things really start to kick into gear. I mean, everything you've read to this point, to me, is mostly... I, I would say take it with a grain of salt because people have jobs to do. The beats have jobs to do. They got to write something about this, these practices, but you're not seeing much without the pads and the pads are really going to tell the true story. So that's interesting to me. Some updates on the injury front that I wanted to get your take on, Nick. Lemieux has been termed not week to week, but day to day with that knee injury. A big one that we learned is uh, Aaron Robinson. So apparently part of the reason he's been on the pup list is that he had to have core muscle surgery in the late spring, the expected recovery timeline for that was six weeks. No one knows exactly. When, I mean, there's, I haven't seen a report on exactly when he had the surgery. So all I've read is that given that six-week time frame, Nick, he should be back soon. He should be back soon, which is what we all hope for. And hopefully he can get acclimated to what Patrick Graham really wants him to do and get his feet underneath him. And he's not too out of shape because rehabbing from a surgery kind of sucks. Yeah, it does suck. And that definitely impacted Xavier McKinney's first season. This one obviously seems on the lighter side, so that's good news couple other notes, Blake Martinez remains on the COVID list. Lorenzo Carter was out from Monday's practice, unknown reasons. They had uh, they had him back on the COVID list. Oh, Carter went back on the COVID list, you're saying? No, no, Blake Martinez. Yeah, Martinez still on the I think he still was. And did he ever come off the COVID list? Yeah, he was chilling with Saquon Barkley today at practice. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe he wasn't. It wasn't for COVID related. I guess he was coming back into the mix. I'm not exactly sure there. Um, Kadarius Tony still doing work to the side with the trainers. Joe Judge said, um, you know, for a while he was kind of just doing special teams onside. I saw Joe Judge kind of teaching him and giving him little tips on onside kicks. That's something interesting. Ellerson Smith, another guy who, once again, out just working with the trainers. That's not great for him in my mind as a rookie. You really need these reps. It is what it is, but definitely going to kind of slow down in my mind his ascension to potentially playing a key role for the Giants, and you know, uh, at least early on. You know who else this sucks for? O'Shane mm-hmm. Zimenez, man. Oh, yeah. Because O'Shane Zimenez can't be out there to kind of help show, like, hey, look how great I, I can be. You know, he's right. just getting back from an injury right now. So, I mean, hopefully he can get on the field and, and be healthy soon enough. And then center Jonathan Harrison passed his physical and was activated off the pup list. Um, he practiced on a limited basis as the Levine Toy Lolo. And with regards to all the four players we mentioned before that, here's what Joe Judge, uh, what head coach Joe Judge had to say about them all. 
With regards to Tony, he's still building up, but we will start seeing a little bit more of him on a day-to-day -day basis as the trainers keep allowing us to have him more. Look, these guys do a really good job as far as knowing our players and looking out for their health. We trust what they say. We trust our medical team. But the focus is to get this guy, Tony, as involved as much as we can with football to build him up through training camp. It'll be limited for the time being. We'll get him day by day a little bit more to where he wants to be. So also credit to uh, Big Blue Interactive for posting the transcript so quick of the Joe Judge interviews. Anything on that? No, not much. I mean, it's expected. They're going to try to use Kadarius Tony in a variety of different ways. The hands team is definitely a way you kind of want to use him because he should have the focus and ability to kind of corral a wobbling football that's on the ground. That's something yeah. that you would expect Kadarius Tony could do. And then special teams, he should provide value as a returner if they want to use him like that. I just hope that they don't do what... And I don't think they're going to because there's a lot more weapons right now on this Giants offense than there was in 2020. But do you remember like a critique we had of Jason Garrett? Not necessarily a critique because I understand why the Giants wanted to do this. But they were trying to force feed the ball to Evan Ingram early on in the season to the point where defenses were keying on it. I don't think they're going to do that with Kadarius Toney because you have Kenny Galladay. You have possibly a healthy Saquon Barkley coming back. You have all these other uh, weapons. But I hope they don't do that and just become predictable to defenses like they were last season. Yeah, that's completely fair. And that's something, you know, I, it's something to consider. I think you're right, though, that probably, gun to my head, they're not going to do that just because, like you mentioned, there's so many other weapons. But I agree. That's the, really a true sign of, of um, you know, not a great co coordinator because— you can find a way to get him involved without even forcing touches. You just use him on jet sweep, fake jet sweep half the time. That doesn't mean you have to give him the ball on jet sweep, but have him in that pre-snap motion. Have him running the fake jet sweep. That's it. Or you have him running verticals from the slot. That's it. You get him involved in those ways. Hey, you have a quarterback that's faster than Lamar Jackson, so you know you gotta get it. <laughs> and the highest sprint speed was faster than Lamar Jackson last year. All right, on Ellerson Smith, Judge said, he's day-to-day -day right now. He's made a lot of progress the last few days, but he had a small setback early in training camp. We don't think it's something that's going to last long term for him, but I don't want to put a timetable on him in terms of when he'll be back. We feel confident direction he's moving. The trainers feel good about where he's at right now. So very similar to the other players. As soon as we can get him back out there, it'll be a gradual ramp up process. So to me, that really sounds like there was a setback. Yeah, small according to Judge, but there's still not even, you know, he's not even in the ramp up period yet. Not even in the ramp-up period. So can Ryan Anderson and Odenabo really kind of step up here and show once the pads start coming on if there's going to be guys like Ellerson Smith and O'Shane Zimenez kind of being slowly ingratiated back into the fold? Without a doubt. And then nothing too new on Shane. Nothing we haven't said. All Joe Judge really said it's more day-to-day -day than week-to-week. -week. And then finally on Blake Martinez, Judge said, I would say the good thing with Blake is he's been engaged through all the meetings, so he's heard the practice corrections and the install. Mentally, he's gotten all that now. Now there's always an adjustment from hearing it in a meeting to actually doing it on the field, but physically he hasn't been with our team yet, so he's got to ramp up and physically catch up to where the team is right now, and just how all these guys have to do coming off that COVID list. So being on the COVID list, he can be around the players, but he just can't be out there practicing? I, I think so. I'm not, I don't really, I can't say I fully know the COVID rules. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And then finally, a little update on Barkley from Joe Judge. He said, you know what? He's making a lot of strides for us. And I don't want to go ahead and make any predictions on anything on Saquon, but I will say that this guy's showing progress, tangible progress, every single day with our staff, medical and training and strength staff. He comes out here and he works. Right now, we've really mirrored his rehab to what our other players are doing on the field practice-wise to make sure he's building up that same volume, that same intensity. We can kind of go apples to apples with what he's done on a daily basis compared to the players that are in practice to give us a better picture in terms of where he's at physically. I cannot give you an answer on when he will turn. That's not being coy right here. Look, 
With this injury right here, we're going to make sure we do the right thing by Saquon and what's better for the team. Uh, and we've got to take a long-term vision of this right now. The doctors know a lot more about the knee, where he is medically. I know where his spirit is. I know where his work ethic is. I know he wants to be out there with his team. As I've said to him time and time again, when you're ready, we'll let you go. Remember that. When you're ready, we'll let you go. It's kind of what I've always said about I don't believe they're going to put him on some kind of snap count. When he's ready, they'll let him go. I know he wants to be out there, but we've got to make sure that we help our players make the right decision. The goal is to get him out there and keep him out there. So when we, you know, so he, we know he can make a great impact for his team, for our team. We know what kind of player he can be, yada yada. But that's the whole thing. They kind of want to wait till he's full go. So when they get him out there, there's no, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. rookie season like setback with the hamstring. I'm pretty sure I've saw some uh, B guys, B people. Uh, saying that he's cutting and stuff like that right now, and it looks solid doing that. But Good. I, I mean, I I'm kind of in the same boat with you though. I think that by week one, we should be seeing him, which we've kind of said several times. Yeah, and we'll see what happens. I think it'll be more of a full go type feel than people are expecting now. Let's get to some notes from practice and some tweets from the beats. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about a tweet, uh, a series of tweets that Dan Dugan uh, put out. So get into that now, Nick. I mean, Dan Dugan does a great job covering the New York Giants, and there was this ugly 7-on-7 drill that he kind of talked about. The offense struggled, but there were positives and there were, you know, cons as well. But at the same time, like Dan said earlier in this podcast, this this is there's no pads right now, so, you know, take a lot of this with a grain of salt. But there was a slant off Galladay's hands that ended up being an incompletion, an incompletion that wasn't near any of the wide receivers who got tangled up off the line of scrimmage. That could have just been a miscommunication between the wide receivers. I really wish I knew which wide receivers that was. Probably two of the newer guys, to be honest. At least that's what you hope. Then there was another one where Daniel Jones scrambled with absolutely no pass rush. I'm not sure if he just didn't like what he saw in the secondary. Again, this is a seven-on-seven seven, seven seven drill, so there's not going to be a pass rush. Right. And maybe he just thought, you know what, in a normal game there would be a pass rush I'm just going to take off that's probably what he was thinking at least hopefully (laughs) and then there was an incompletion on an overthrow to Darius Slayton between converging Milton and Julian Love so I'm guessing that they tried to hit an explosive play down the field it could have been a deep post or something and then there was just two defenders converging and Daniel Jones put a little bit more mustard on it than it might have needed maybe because those defenders were converging and he didn't want to throw an interception and then there were positive plays Dan wasn't all negative Jones and Kenny Galladay connected on a deep dig through tight traffic. And Jones also found Evan Ingram in the red zone for a touchdown where he hit him near the hip in an Evan end zone or Evan end zone. Wow. Evan, <laughs> imagine Evan end zone. I wish he was Evan end zone. Yeah, that would be a cool nickname. That would be, that would be great for, for Ingram. And then Ingram spun off a defender into the end zone. So those were just some seven-on-seven seven drills. We'll be getting 11-on-11 11 11 hopefully tomorrow. What stood out most to me about that was the deep dig that Jones connected on with Galladay. We talked a lot about on our film reviews of the All-22 offense last season. That deep dig was a really successful route for Jones with Slayton. And I think Galladay can run that even better than Slayton could yeah. with, the, with, with the Giants. And that's going to be something that's open a lot based on the system the Giants run. So it's something solid to lean on. This doesn't surprise me all that much that the offense is struggling in these 7-on-7 seven seven drills. I mean, the fact of the matter is this. The offense was the single worst in the NFL with the exception of the Jets last year, and the defense was creeping into the top 12. So early on in training camp, as we talked about on the last podcast where we broke down what is it, does it matter that the offense is struggling this early, we kind of went into this. Look, defense has an advantage early on, and you're looking at one defense that 
added talent, a lot of talent to the mix, and I know the offense did too, but added a lot of talent to the mix after being on the verge of a top 10 basically feel last season, especially toward the stretch run, versus an offense that was arguably the worst in the NFL or the second worst. So it's going to take some time here. We can't panic just yet. Speaking of that defense, Dan, did you hear that Joe Judge made the entire defense run laps? Joe Looney got his first taste of laps. Everyone's running laps, dude. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's the Joe Judge way. You run laps when you make a mistake in practice. It's good for now. Well, they got to win games. Though. They got to win games. You don't. Exactly. You can't pull that thing off after two straight losing seasons. But you know, the Giants are in a position right now where everybody seems to love the message from Judge, and as of now, they love the hard, you know, the hard nosed style of coaching. Yes. Um, yes. A few other practice notes, and this is just from following just my Twitter account, which kind of you're I'm able to cycle through, cycle it through, and create a list that's just all the beat writers nick so that's always helpful during this time of year especially with neither of us on the ground with boots on the ground neither of us are beat writers of the giants just analysts so some things to note um you know all the analysts kind of said jones was inconsistent throughout practice missing with a lot of ball placement um anything to make of that i mean you don't want to hear that but this is early in training camp that could be just trying to figure out the timing but granted galladay and jones should have some sort of rapport just from working together all throughout the off season but within the confines of jason garrett's offense that could be different so i'm not going to read too much into that first week second week of training camp yeah i think you're spot on there um zach fulton received some reps as the starting left guard that was interesting because we had seen previously with shane lemieux out kenny wiggins kind of step right in which was also a bit surprising I think what you're going to see is a competition here, and we'll start to read reports in the coming days, like Joe Looney also took some snaps at that left guard spot. But is Will Hernandez taking any snaps there? That's the question. I didn't see anything today, but that could have happened. I might have missed the tweet. Because he could just be, if he has not, because Dan and I both have not seen that, then he could just be kind of locked in. They're going to be like, all right, you're going to be the right guard, and we're going to rely on you in this position, and then we'll figure out the left guard if Lemieux's injury was more extensive than we originally thought, which doesn't seem like it is. Yeah. So we'll have to keep an eye on that as well. Um, one other thing that caught my attention from one of the beat tweets was that on a the one of the few good plays from the offense was a deep pass to Kenny Galladay today, and Sam Beal was getting coverage. That's really interesting because Sam Beal, that means he's getting some reps against Galladay, and it also means he's practicing. He hasn't done that in a long time for the Giants. Yes, Sam Beal. Ugh. Now he is, uh, now, could, could you imagine though, if he starts doing good against Kenny Galladay, starts showing up, pop, possibly crack this roster, wouldn't that be something? It would, and as I said on the cornerback preview podcast we did a few weeks ago, the when we broke down the depth chart, to me, he's the wild card. I think he's the, probably the fourth most talented or fifth most talented corner on this roster. From a talent standpoint. Just yeah. from a pure talent standpoint, and he has more upside to me than Yainem. He has more upside to me than a lot of these players, so on the back end of that roster, at the cornerback position, I should say, obviously, not the big guys. So I think it's possible, and I'm, I'm keeping an eye on that because I'd like to see Sam Beal reach his peak because his peak to me is just so much higher than an Isaac Yadam. I think that's a completely fair statement, and hopefully something can happen because he's our favorite supplemental pick, Dan, Sam Beal. <laughs> yeah. So did you also see that David Sills caught two touchdown passes from the big quarterback, Mike Glennon? I'm telling you, man, David Sills has to be like just a training camp darling. Every yeah. <laughs> single year I hear his name, and then he usually ends up getting getting hurt which is unfortunate but if he could stay healthy i can actually see him making this roster as one of those gunners this is a throwback to old giants lore some fans will probably get it some fans may be like this reference means literally nothing to me i've never even heard of the player but back in the day when training camp was kind of way back you know when there wasn't this same kind of coverage there was really 
um, how do I say this? There was kind of concentrated coverage, and there was one player in one Giants training camp who caught so much buzz. Okay, can I guess who it was? Is it a wide receiver? No. No, okay. So this might have been before Uh, your time. I think you might have been in the Marines at this time when this was happening. Oh, okay. I would imagine that's why. So this player was considered, quote-unquote, unblockable and unmovable in training camp, and he was... Day after day, practice sports were this player brought. So it was Jonas Seawright. Have you ever heard the name Jonas I've heard, Seawright? I've heard the name. Yeah. Yes, yes. Interior defensive lineman Jonas Seawright, who was supposedly unblockable and unmovable in training camp practice. Literally the best player on the field, according to some of these reports. And obviously, for those who don't know, Seawright never ended up being anything of the Giants. Not only was he blockable, he was movable as well, despite being <laughs> He was both. He was both in games and did all sorts of other things wrong that never allowed him to, you know, catch on. But just funny to see those guys. There are always those big breakout training camp guys or preseason guys that are great in this stage of the NFL cycle, but ultimately just can't contribute on a weekly basis. But then there are the anomalies, because right. most of them are anomalies, like the C.J. Andersons, the Victor Cruises of mm-hmm. the world, who started out as undrafted guys who were, quote-unquote, nobody, James Robinson last year, quote-unquote, nobody, and then they just had phenomenal camps and became huge parts of their team's identity. Victor Cruz, obviously most famous for the New York Giants. Sills is interesting, though, man, just because this has been, I think, the second training camp I think going back to 2019 where there was a steady drumbeat in camp that was ended and I also was hearing that he was out there early with Daniel Jones catching passes from him is there anything to read into that I you know I don't know but it's something and the fact that he has the experience as a gunner which you know Joe Judge values could lead to him actually earning a roster spot over maybe when you need two gunners so I mean CJ Board could still Cody Core if he still has anything they brought him in for a workout who knows what's going to happen there but I do think I find it you know, somewhat interesting. Yeah, and I think Sills was with Jones and the rest of the skill guys who went with them on some of those off-season trips to work on their craft. So that's something to keep in mind as well from that regard. Uh, a few of the players spoke after practice. I didn't think there was any key takeaways. Looney basically said, you know, I'll play wherever they want me. He's starting to get reps all over. Aziz talked about his off-season workouts with Andrew Thomas. That's obviously a good thing. Nothing too crazy other than that, Nick. Anything else from this practice stand out to you? No, not necessarily. Just uh, looking forward to turning the page to tomorrow's practice where they're actually might be hitting, but they will be in pads. No doubt about it. All right, we ran through some injuries. We ran through the signings and what we're seeing at practice. That's all we have for today. Thank you to everyone tuning into the Big Blue Banter podcast. As always, you can find us on Instagram at NYBigBlueBanter, on YouTube at BigBlueBanter. And on iTunes or Spotify, please leave us a rating and review. Please, please, please. It's the best way to help us grow this podcast. We do have some new rating and review questions coming in right now. So that's obviously a good sign. And we're going to dive into those right now because like we said, we always promised if you leave us a rating, five stars, it has to be five stars. And not always because if it's not five stars, you'll get get called out in a negative way. And I'll be doing that all the time. So if we have forgot the name of those old school... uh, What's it called? Those old school. Who was the guy who who gave us? Was it Kwame Zilla? Yeah, Kwame Zilla. But yeah. Kwame Zilla did re- rectify it by like changing that two star, three star to a five. So I don't want to call him back out and drag him again. But like I said, you leave us a rating, you write her a question in your review, and we will one hundred percent answer it. So let's start with Wheaton Terrier, who says. Excellent information, entertaining, definitely outside of your demographic, as I'm 62, longtime Giants fan. Going back to the wilderness years with my dad in Yankee Stadium. I thoroughly enjoy listening to your millennial speak and what you guys do for fun. Dan, I think you're right about drafting BPA. 
wrong about cultural importance. Let me just say this. I believe in cultural importance. I just think at times it can be a little bit overstated when it's uh, in relation to talent because talent will win out in a lot of ways. Talent and coaching. Remember, good coaching, good offensive coordinator, good play calling, things of that nature. Um, nature, sorry. Wheaton Terrier says, my question is something I've never heard you guys discuss. To me, making a statement is a huge part of the game. The best teams have players who sense when a big play is needed, whether that be a sack, turnover, great catch, and let the team know it won't be their day. I still remember when the Red Hot Raiders and Bo Jackson came to Giant Stadium and the first series the defense went lost. Lost yards, lost yards, sacks. The game was sealed. So my question, who is going to do that for the Giants this year? Okay, so we're looking at somebody who's going to get a sack. I think Leonard Williams would be the default type of guy to say there. Would it not be? I th- but I also think it could yeah. be somebody in the secondary too. An interception, like a James Bradbury or even a Jabril Peppers making some sort of huge type of play that forces a fumble. But it depends. Like, who do you have in mind? I was going to say I like this question a lot. I think statement players in this defense could be Leonard. A statement player to me could also be Jabril Peppers, the way he might be used this year and the type of plays he made. And then finally, the really high upside one. Now, this is more, I'd say, less likely to happen. But if it happens, you know the Giants defense is taking a massive step forward. And that's Aziz Ojolari. Because Aziz Ojolari has a really good pass rushing move that he can translate right away to the NFL level. And if he gets around, dips and rips, and he can get those strip sacks too because he's got those really long arms. And that's kind of what they've been missing there, at least last year. I mean, Leonard Williams had sacks, but not so many strip sacks. I think that Oziz can be that strip sack OC type player potentially in this raw, uh, on this defense. And I'll put Aziz out there. I think Aziz is a really good one. And I don't, let, let's, let's eliminate Blake Martinez, James Bradbury, and Leonard Williams from this because they kind of had those breakout years last year. I think another one other than Aziz Ojolari, who I think is probably a favorite if you exclude those other ones and don't include Jabril Peppers as well, I think Dexter Lawrence could be one of those guys too to create interior pressure and also just kind of be a havoc in the run game. Now, he's not going to get, yes. you know, eight, nine sacks. And if he does, wow. But he is he could still improve upon getting interior pressure and then kind of flushing the pocket and forcing the quarterback to go one way to kind of limit the angles of, of throwing the football to his receivers. All right. Thank you so much for the question, Wheaton Terry, and the review. We're going to get to another one. Before we do that, we're going to bash whoever Giants Blue is, especially because he left us a one-star review, but he literally, I've seen this guy, we haven't had a one-star in a while, which is nice, but I've seen this guy leave this exact same review before. So he literally went back in to the app. So he must still be listening to us, whoever this Giants Blue is, rewrote his 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 review in almost the same way but changed a word or two so it popped back up and he said it's boring and comical how these two believe they know the game they have no inside knowledge on the team because they're not around the locker room guess what we don't play, we don't play to be around the locker room we're not claiming we're ever around the locker room we're evaluating the film so i listened to the pod and it seems like dan will kiss anybody's butt to be acknowledged i don't know where that come from <laughs> i don't know whose butt i'm kissing to be acknowledged let me know he says sorry but boring and I'm sorry for you, Giants Blue, you don't enjoy this, but you can go kiss my you-know-what, the word that you use to describe <laughs> what I do. All right, Pete, now we'll get to some good ones. Peter Ag says, excellent Giants podcast, one of the best out there. Dan and Nick are very insightful, and I actually like when they throw in the personal commentary, like Nick not eating a single carb for the past 20 years, <laughs> which is debatable but potentially true. Also, Nick, and by a single, he probably eats like 12 per day. Also, Nick, no actual Italians say prosciutto. Instead, they say prosciutto. The people that say that, prosciutto, are actually people from North Jersey whose last name end in a vowel, and I think they're actually just acting. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I got to say, though, you have the group in Brooklyn. I'm friends with a lot of Italians from Brooklyn, and they do the same thing with prosciutto. So, yes. 
And now that that's put to bed, he says, if the Giants have another losing <laughs> season, do you think Judge will have some locker room problems because of his coaching style? Yeah, we kind of touched on this a little bit, Dan, and I think that could be an issue. It depends on how these losses are kind of accumulated and if, like, there's internal conflict, which it seems like the Giants has done a good job getting rid of a lot of those players who may cause that kind of internal conflict. But losing is going to breed contempt, and contempt is going to lead to resentment, and that's all going to be targeted at the leader of the team, which is Joe Judge. So I think it could be a possibility. Yeah, I think you're right. We've, again, touched on this before. It, you got to start winning. When you're going to have this style, you have to you have to uh, accompany it with wins. That's the only way the message continues to get across. Otherwise, he doesn't become the Matt Patricia. He become, you know, even though, obviously, we're not comparing Joe Judge to Patricia, his message died out really fast there in Detroit, Patricia. And so they have to win. That's definitely, if you're going to have that style, you have to win. All right, this is an interesting one. Eastern Gent left us a five-star review, but said, with regards to PLO and PLO8, lots of professional poker players call the game PLO pronounced PLO. So I've never heard this before in my Ooh. life, Eastern Gent, but I will also say this. I hadn't started playing PLO, which is the only thing I've ever heard it re- uh, referred to as, until last year. At the start of the pandemic, I played my first hands of PLO. And now I've been playing a lot of PLO and a lot of PLO 8, but more more so Big O, which is, uh, I guess, it's the same concept as PLO 8, and I'm sure you know this because you're writing this, uh, but with five cards instead of four. He says, as a professional poker player and gambler for almost three decades, I can say that you guys often have some bad takes on poker. Great giant stakes, but not so good on the poker and the gambling. I would love to play you guys some poker, quote-unquote, on a slow boat to China. Let's let's say wow. you guys, you would love to play me because yeah. I don't know the first freaking thing about Nick poker. Nick doesn't even know the hand rank. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't even know what he said. Like That might as well be another language to me. But I will say, Dan, I mean, you might be a really great poker player eastern gent but dan dan's no slouch dan knows what he's doing with with in terms of poker yeah i mean listen i you sound very intimidating here eastern gent you really do but reach out to me via dm and we could set up a one-on-one battle i got the app i'll let you know we'll be playing five card high low and good luck my friend all right that's all we have for today on this show we will speak to you guys soon. Remember, coming this week, we will have an interview, or maybe this weekend, we haven't decided yet when to do it, with Mark Schofield, where we break down all 22 coaches film on Daniel Jones. This is a great one. You will not want to miss our best podcast, in my mind at least, in months. We also have another fun one coming up with a really special guest. We're breaking down the wide receivers on the Giants, so keep an eye on that as well. Those will be in the coming days, maybe weeks. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.